you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be one of my friends. I'm just trying to keep you from losing a lot of money. My job is to educate and put it in context, so call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Another simply horrific day. Dow down 682 points. S&P plummeting 2.14%. The house of pain. And the NASDAQ nosediving 2.67%. I got a phrase for you. It's a new one. It's going to be a signature phrase. Mad money. Great company. Bad stock. Yes, that increasingly feels like the mantra of this market because companies' valuations are diverging wildly from what you might think they should be worth. That kind of thing is infuriating for you. So tonight, I'm here to explain why bad things happen to good companies. That's right. Stocks go down for companies that are great. As cool as many of these moves are, they make a ton of sense when I put it in context for you. So why don't we start with some history? Right now, there's a lot of contempt, especially among younger investors in some of these websites, for people like me who wear suits. This is a zania. Now, that's unimportant, but I threw it out there. Now, I think this contempt for people who wear suits is kind of nuts. I mean, I wear a suit because I was told to wear one when I got to Goldman Sachs 40 years ago. I didn't do it right. I had a corduroy suit that I had bought at Marshall's, as well as a button-down shirt that was pilting, no French cuffs, no handkerchief, and no undershirt. If I remember correctly, my partner, Walter, was so mortified to be in the same room with me that he told me to go right away to a place called Mo Ginsburg's to get some real clothes. He was willing to spot me 500, 500 bucks if I promised to leave immediately. Anyway, I learned what to wear at Goldman Sachs, but more importantly, I learned how to think at Goldman Sachs. I was taught how stocks move, a process that can be very counterintuitive to those of you who just got in this business, or also people who are just watching the disaster that was today. My teacher, David Darsh, you've seen him on our air, asked me what's the key determinant of stock prices. Jim, why do stocks go up? Why do they go down? Oh, I asked, well, profits. He said, nope. Sales. Nope. Management. <laughs> 
He said the number one driver of stock prices is the bond market, especially the U.S. Treasury market. It's so much bigger than the stock market. Literally every other asset, everything is priced off the bond market, which brings us to what happened today. One of the things that pushes up bond yields is inflation. You need more yield to compensate for inflation, eroding the purchasing power of a dollar. So when you get that raging inflation number, bond yield spikes. Hey, things aren't worth it more in the future, right? If there's inflation, stocks are long-dated assets. They're valued based on their future earnings potential, and those future earnings are worth less in a world with higher inflation. Just if you only take that away, they're worth less. It's particularly true for stocks with no dividends or even no earnings. We call this process is a process multiple contraction. Genuine Wall Street gibberish for we pay less for the same future earnings stream that we once paid more for. So David Darce told me, and, and, and he said, you got to, before you look at the stock prices, look at the bond prices. What's happening in the bond market to figure out what something's really worth? If bond yields are rising, most stocks are going to go down, with the exception of the ones that benefit from inflation. Metals, miners, resource stocks. Check your screen. That's what went up. A company that can pass on inflation inputs because it has a terrific brand name like Procter & Gamble or PepsiCo, that will do better than those that can. A dividend can help protect you as rates get high enough to offset uh, real competition, though. And then that protection disappears, too. The worst performers when rates go up? Companies that are growing rapidly with no earnings in sight and their stocks, which trade more on momentum than the, no- than the knowledge or intuition of how smart people are. Or to distill it to one thing that you must know from this monologue. If treasuries go down in price and up in yield like they did today because of inflation like it was today, your highest growth stocks will get crushed as happened today. This morning, we got a consumer price index number that wasn't just red hot, it was white hot. It was like a crucible at a steel mill. Sparks flying everywhere. It sent bond yields soaring and made us wonder if the Federal Reserve would have to throw in the towel and slam the brakes on the economy in order to cool things down, even at the risk of, yes, causing a recession. That's the, yeah, inflation was that bad, people. It was drastic, especially in the grains, petroleum-based products, protein products, and then you can extrapolate semiconductors, anything related to autos, used cars. So now we have to go right to the heart of the beast. There are certain companies with fabulous long-term prospects. When inflation was tame and rates were low, the 2020 scenario, those prospects were worth a great deal, and buyers rushed into their stocks. They especially bid up the stocks of companies that aren't making money now, but have rapid sales growth and don't need a strong economy. Think video game platforms like Letter U, Unity Software, Roblox. We had them on last night. Both companies are crushing it in sales. But for the moment, they're not even trying to turn a profit because there's too much growth, too much opportunity to bother with earnings. Last year, the market loved that kind of stock and loved that kind of stance. Now it loathes that kind of stock and it hates that kind of stance. Not the company. Not the company. The companies remain great. The stocks! Many younger investors are drawn to stocks the way some people like to bet on hot teams. When their stocks have a losing streak, they can't bear to look at them. That's a mistake. These stocks won't always be losers forever. There could be a point where commodity prices, the source of inflation, finally peak. It could happen. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow night. Some may have peaked already. Lumber, semiconductors that go into personal computers. That's a start. But inflation, uh, no, it's raging. 
For now, though, you've got a host of great companies with terrific stocks that have simply become toxic in a higher inflation environment. Well, you're probably asking, which ones? Which are the stocks? Well, think Tesla, Teladoc, Square, Roku, Shopify, Zillow, Twilio, Coinbase, Spotify, Zoom Video. These companies happen to be the largest positions of the portfolio manager who used to have the hottest hand in the word, world. Hottest in the world. Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. And that's why I call these Woodstocks. Remember that? That was hot once, too. Don't get me wrong. That's about as well-behaved as a guy. It's not Alamont, just, you know, it's Woodstock. Don't get me wrong. I love Every one of these companies, you've seen them on air. How much I've waxed, how I, I, Shopify, oh, Shopify, I love Shopify. Twilio, I mean, who loves Twilio more than me? Does anyone, I mean, does anyone love it more than me? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Kathy Woods, fantastic, and identifying stocks like Twilio, okay? But they're not stocks for all seasons, people. You don't just want to, no, they're not. Let's stop pretending. They don't work in this environment. And as I learned 40 years ago at Goldman Sachs, they really don't work in any inflationary environment where bond yields are on the rise. Wood knows that, too. She's upfront about liking these names for the long haul. But the market's impatient. I think they could have quite a bit more downside before they turn around, even if we get retail sales that are hot on Friday. When does this end? It ends when the inflation goes away or is tamed somehow. With the exception of lumber and some semis, there's no sign that commodities are cooling off anytime soon. They're still going higher. I was checking the grains today. Don't bother. Okay, that means these wood stocks, okay, the wood stocks will keep heading lower, punctuated by periodic rallies, where we get weaker than expected data on the economy, which they will then short squeeze up really fast. However, there will be fewer of those days and more days like today. Here's the bottom line. If you own the turbocharged growth stocks, the wood stocks, you either need to steal yourself for the pain or cut your losses on the next sharp move up. Because we're in a new market that's very different from last year. What worked in 2020 hasn't been working in 2021, and that's not going to change. So get used to it. And don't be afraid to take action if we catch a vicious bounce higher. Carrie in Texas. Carrie. Hi, Jim. Carrie, I'm a what's going on? viewer and a member of Action Alert. So I'm looking forward to the conference call tomorrow. Yes. Thankful for your action alerts because your guidance helps me to make calm, educated decisions on crazy days like today. That's what I want. It's education. It's the most important thing, particularly for the younger people. Listen up. That's why your unity went down. How can I help you, Carrie? (laughs) Here is my question. I'm rebalancing and cleaning up an old retirement portfolio, and I need to decide what to do with the stock that tests my patients. Tanger Outlet, SKT. I was patient with Norton LifeLock, and it paid off today and wanting your advice on this one. You know, I like Tanger. Um, they had some very good numbers. They did. Uh, it sells the least expensive. Simon Properties had good numbers. Front And by the way, Federal really good numbers. So I'm not ready to get rid of uh, Tanger right here, Carrie. I, I, I was struck by how well they're really doing. People want to shop and they like those outdoor things with the bargains. So does my wife. Let's go to Anthony in New York. Anthony. Hey, Jim. Love the show. Booyah. Booyah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm curious about United Wholesale Mortgage, ticker symbol UWMC. They recently reported phenomenal earnings and announced approximately $300 million in buybacks, which is about 40% of their float. 
Their forward price earnings appears to be three to five times, and their dividend is about 6%. Do you think this is a long-term hold, given the current real estate environment? Well, we had Matt Ishbiu on, and, uh, you know, they got a real tussle going with uh, Rocket. But if you go over Rocket's conference call, I mean, look, UWM's conference call is okay. If you go over Rocket's, you'll see that there is weakness in selling of loans. Um, and so this group is going to be in purgatory for a little bit. But, yeah, you got that 5.4 percent yield. I think it tied you over. But uh, it, it's in purgatory. And purgatory is actually not a great place to be in. I used to live there. It's not. It's a bad address. Rick in Michigan. Rick. Jimmy Chill. Booyah. The chill is trying. The chill's trying. Man. Yeah, we're putting I, I, on. I saw some guy on today I didn't really care for. I got a little. I lost a chill. My daughter said, Jim, you got to get back on the chill case. So I'm I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Okay. What's up? Uh, we love you. Thank we you. Love you. What's up? I'm an National Alert member. I watch Squawk in the Street every morning, oh, and yeah. I appreciate everything you do for the home gamer. I Thank love you. Uh, I can't get enough of you. Oh, you're great. Thank you. Thank you. What's up? Hey, What's up, so my, my man? stock got crushed on Monday, although revenue was up 37% a year ago. Uh, they're guiding 2Q, $262 million, which is ahead of consensus. It's 50% below its 52-week high, a P.E. of 100, and it's an industry average of 61. They just declared a 10-for-1 stock split. I want to get your long-term view on the trade desk. Shoot, man. You know, I try to read things in a – first of all, Rick, thank you. And Carrie, oh, thank you for all the nice comments for everybody. I try to read things in a vacuum. I read that conference call. I actually thought that the stock could go higher. And it just went down 150 straight points. And I got to tell you, Rick, this is one nasty environment because Jeff Green did a good job and I want him to come on because there'll come a time when that stock goes higher. But, Rick, the chill man says it may not be now. All right, look, after another horrific day where a lot of the great companies, stocks traded down. You got to understand, this is a different stock market. And these fabulous companies, well, let's just say they are still fabulous companies. It's something else that may not be that good. Because what worked in 2020 ain't working this year. On Mad Tonight, Wendy's new breakfast menu was enough to help the stock get in the green today. Despite better than expected earnings, Wendy's ended up getting cooked in today's tape. But I think it might be an opportunity to take a bite. I like that pretzel bun, though. Don't miss my exclusive. Then could news that Wynn is bringing its digital gambling business public via a merger and a SPAC, a winning combination? <laughs> oh, oh, who's funnier than I am? I've got the exclusive. And Northern LifeLock is one of the few tech stocks in the green today. As cybersecurity fears grow, could this be a good way to keep your portfolio safe? I've got the CEO of the only stock that's been up for two straight days in the New York Stock Exchange of any meaning. So I suggest that you ooh, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? 
Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. Spy is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. With the major averages down huge for the third straight day already, i got to go back to some individual stocks. Let's talk about the stock of Wendy's. Last Friday, I told you this restaurant stock is a bad habit of selling off after earnings, even when the numbers are great. Well, sure enough, this morning, Wendy's reports an excellent number, a five-cent earnings beat off a 15-cent basis, higher-than-expected revenues, fabulous 13% same-store sales growth. Oh, and the analysts were looking for about 10. Plus, they gave bullish guidance. Still, after the stock opened strong, it only got dragged down along with the rest of the market thanks to the inflation scare fuel beatdown. Historically, though, you have to buy Wendy's when it pulls back after a good quarter. When you look under the hood, there's a lot to like here. Don't take it from me, though. Let's dig deeper with Todd Penegor, the president CEO of the Wendy's company, to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Penegor, welcome back to Bad Money. Always a pleasure to be on, Jim, especially after such a strong quarter and such an upbeat outlook that we just posted. Well, Todd, that's really where I want to go. I mean, you know, typically when people see things like that, they get worried. They see that they did all this good stuff and the stock went down. You and I were kind of hate for a better word, and Nelson Peltz do, old pros. We look at this as an opportunity. We can't believe we get in 13% growth. Lots of incredible news guiding for more units. And I got to tell you, I'm going to put it right there. Doubling down on breakfast, which turned out to be a brilliant move, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about the momentum in our business. It's really across all day parts. We continue to build breakfast, even with mobility still light at the morning day part and 50 percent of the folks still working from home. It's growing nicely. Our average weekly sales volumes continue to increase. But we know there's a lot more opportunity ahead on the breakfast day part. We're seeing strong uh, trial, uh, strong repeat, um, high customer satisfaction. Uh, We just got to continue to drive awareness and get that food into uh, people's mouths. And the rest of our day business, you know, lunch, dinner, and late night, performing really well. And uh, we're seeing some uh, great innovation to fuel that. We're seeing jalapeno popper chicken sandwich do really well in the marketplace. We've got a new bacon bourbon cheeseburger that just came out into the market, which uh, we're very excited about. Um, and we continue to see even our core chicken sandwich business with the renovation on the classic chicken continue to perform well. So when you think about the growth, uh, we're really hitting on all cylinders and have a lot of momentum, not just in this quarter and what we guided to in Q2, but really coming out of the back half of last year. Okay, well, all that said, you know, Todd, the prevailing wisdom 
is that you can't take price. You get hit by inflation. All these foods are trading too high. The grains are trading too high. I'm not hearing anything that says there's inflationary problems here and it's going to hurt our earnings. No, we, uh, you know, we, we posted very strong margins in the first quarter. We guided to even higher margins for the full year from a commodity outlook perspective, because we're largely locked in. Uh, we're guiding flat to commodities this year, so we're in a good spot there. A little bit of pressure on labor, uh, access to labor, cost of labor. Uh, but we are taking pricing, which uh, is in line with, uh, with with food away from home pricing right now. Uh, but what we're really seeing is higher average checks continue. Uh, the consumer's using the brand a little bit different and bringing a lot of food home. Uh, to bigger party sizes. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of trade up, uh, a lot of folks moving into our core premium, a lot of folks moving into our made to crave lineup. And that made to crave lineup is built perfectly to continue to bring news throughout the year uh, into uh, our menu to continue to surprise and delight and uh, and bring more customers into our restaurants more often. Well, then, Todd, wasn't it time to bring that dividend back to 12 cents? Well, we've made a couple of nice increases now, Jim. Our, our policy is really to make sure we got a dividend payout ratio north of 50%. And, you know, we made an increase from $0.05 cents to uh, to $0.09. Cents. We just increased it from $0.09 cents to $0.10. Cents. And what we've talked about in our capital allocation policy is we'll continue to look at our priorities. Invest in growth. We know we got a lot of opportunities to invest in growth. Um, you know, technology is a great investment for us. Uh, building restaurants in the UK is a great investment for us. So that's first and foremost. Returning dividends, um, uh, returning cash to shareholders through dividends. We've seen some healthy increases and, you know, we'll continue to make sure we stay in line with that policy. Uh, And we have been doing some share repurchases with the stock price down. We bought $68 million shares back in the first quarter at about $20 uh, a share. So that was a a good investment return. And we've been selectively paying down debt. So we've got enough cash on the balance sheet to do all of that. uh, And we'll continue to make sure that we've got adequate returns, both investing in growth and returning to cash to shareholders for the foreseeable future. Excellent. All right. So, Todd, one of the things that people are worried about, and a lot of our younger viewers are going to say, Jim, why didn't you ask him about the trash problem, the packaging? What are we doing? What's he got doing to be able to make it so he, he, he is he saving the earth? Todd, they're going to buy the stock only if you give a good answer right here. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Jim, we're fully committed to playing our part. Quality is our recipe. It's one of our core values. Everything we do to create joy and opportunity in our communities and to give back is uh, is what we're focused on. And as part of our recent ESG uh, and CSR commitments, you know, we said we were going to sustainably source 100% of our customer-facing packaging by 2026. So we're starting that journey and we're well on our way. Well, that's what people want to hear, besides the fact that you're doing incredibly well. Todd Pentagon, I wish you'd reported on a better day, but that's okay. Now we get to buy it cheaper. President and CEO of the Wendy's Company. Great quarter, sir. Thank you, Jim. I always appreciate coming on, and um, it was another great, strong quarter. Well, and my wife will get the bacon, uh, the breakfast baconator, I guess. That's what we got going. That's awesome. We're selling a lot of breakfast baconators uh, right now, Jim. So get her in there and uh, keep her rolling on the breakfast and the lunch day part. Thanks. You are too much. Thank you so much. Guys, Wendy's, it should have been up big. It wasn't able to because of the overall market. You heard that the inflation is not an issue, but the baconators kill her. Everybody's back in the break. Should investors bet on the newest SPAC to hit the street? As Wynn takes its online betting business public, Kramer's sitting down with its top brass and investor Bill Foley to learn more about the venture. Next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. On Monday night, Win Resorts reported a generally solid quarter, but more importantly, the casino operator announced a breakup. The company's spinning off Win Interactive, their online sports betting and iGaming business, as a separate entity, emerging it with a SPAC called Austerlitz Acquisition. I know SPACs have become a dirty word on Wall Street, but a few of them have actually have quality managers, and this is one. I think the Win breakup is very savvy. Online sports betting is a fabulous growth business, but right now it's very challenging as they're an all-out war for market share in the states where it's been legalized. Rather than let that dilute Win's casino business, which is a huge beneficiary of the great reopening, they're splitting the company in a way that still lets them participate in the digital unit success down the line. So let's take a closer look with Matt Maddox, the CEO of Win Resorts, who will also be the chairman of the new Win Interactive, and Bill Foley, the founder of Austerlitz Acquisition. Yeah, like the battle. The SPAC that's merging with Win Interactive. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Jim. All right, guys. I thought, thank you. I thought this was a very creative way and a way that instantly created a huge amount of value. So, Matt, could you walk through why just with a, a kind of a wave of the wand, you were able to bring out billions of dollars in value in something that people really want to own? Yeah, sure. So, as you pointed out, the online sports betting and iGaming market, it's going to be a 30 to $40 billion market over the next five to seven years. And we thought we should create a pure play public entity that will still own the majority of it, Win Resorts, to attack this market on a state-by-state basis. And what we wanted to do was partner with someone that matched us and our brand. And Bill Foley was the absolute perfect partner, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, owner of luxury hospitality assets, owner and digital payment companies that are in the iGaming space. So it was really very straightforward for us and I think the exact right way to attack this market. All right, now, Bill, you have created, maybe people don't know this, 100 billion, that's a B, 100 billion in value for people. I mean, it's an incredible value creator. What drew you toward this? I mean, I know they have a highly differentiated product, so you have a significant competitive advantage, but why win? because this is getting to be a crowded market. Well, I don't feel as crowded with a, with a quality company like Wynn and Matt Maddox and his team and the way he's structured this, uh, structured Wynn Interactive. And it, it's just going to, it has the potential to be a dominant player 
in the online online gaming. Uh, you know, the company is going to be running the sports betting operations uh, at the various wind casinos in North America. Uh, it uh, and the valuation uh, that that uh, that Matt and his team and that the wind resorts uh, developed is is really a, about uh, a half or a third of what you might say DraftKings and BetMGM are. Mm. Uh, and they're they're already killing it. In, they're already killing it in Michigan. They're just they're and they're just getting started. Okay, so Matt, where are we right now? You know, the stock market's down. A lot of people left casino gambling for the stock market when they're closed. Now the casino's getting wide open. Macau is obviously doing very well. Aren't we in the green shoot period in the United States and the already fantastic recovery in Asia? Uh, yeah, and certainly in Las Vegas and Boston, we're experiencing that. Uh, our call volumes are above 2019 levels. And we're really seeing a lot of customers and a lot of excitement. So I think this summer is going to be very strong in Las Vegas and Boston. And Macau keeps moving forward methodically. And I also think that the summer is going to be quite good there. Hey, Bill, let me, let me ask you, uh, crypto, gambling, uh, excitement, young people, potentially toxic brew or just the way it should be? <laughs> well, you know, the, the interesting thing is that I don't gamble, <laughs> but over the last uh, six or seven months now, I'm involved with uh, with PaySafe and it's 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 uh, it's interchange now with uh, now with Win Interactive. Uh, it's just an exciting place to be. It's not often you can you can really anticipate growth from a couple of billion dollars of revenue to forty five billion dollars, and it's it's laid out for us. And as states open up, um, Matt and his team are ready are ready to open with those states and. We're looking forward to anticipating Massachusetts, the number one betting state in the country. I did not know that. I didn't know that. All right, there's a date coming up. Matt, it's a big day. It's, no, it's September 13th. We just found out. The That's Raiders right. are playing the Ravens. What is Vegas going to be like that Monday night? Oh, it, it's going to be electric. I mean, uh, the amount of interest we're already seeing just from that schedule coming out um, is is really maddening. So we are excited. The Raiders bring a lot to this town, just like the Las Vegas Golden Knights did. Um, and, you know, Las Vegas is going to be, I think, the place to be this summer and into this fall. People are ready to have fun, Jim. They're yeah, ready, they and we're, we're ready to do it. Many of us are. Matt, let me ask you. We're going to see the rest of the schedule out at 8 o'clock. Do you think that all your rooms will be booked for every home game by people like me <laughs> coming to see you by tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know about all of our rooms, but uh, we will certainly see a flood of reservations coming in as the as the schedule is booked. And it, it's it's a big benefit for this town. And again, I'm hoping to see you out here when the Phillies play. Don't I mean, not the Phillies, the Eagles. Eagles. Don't worry the about Eagles. it. It's done. My wife even agreed. All right, good. Amazing to get her on board. Okay, so Bill, SPAC world, getting a little crowded, obviously. Some people think it's a dirty word, and yet there is going to be value creation among some. How do we distinguish between the ones that are winners and the many, as you know, because you've created a lot of value, that aren't such good ideas? Yeah, I, I really believe you've got to go with real companies that have real a real management team that have great sponsorship. Um, you know, all the ones that we've been involved in uh, have, uh, have, have fit that criteria, have real revenue, have a path for serious revenue growth, have a path for serious EBITDA growth. And uh, Win Interactive is in the early stages. And part of the advantage we have is that, of course, we're backstopping the entire 
transaction in, case, in the event there are redemptions. And frankly, I hope there are redemptions because I would love to own more Win Interactive. It's just a terrific. You mean investment. you'd love to buy stock your stock yourself, say below ten bucks? Absolutely, absolutely. Right so if, if if people redeem, um, we're backstopping it. This is this this transaction will happen, and we'll be there for. We'll, we'll invest the entire amount if we have to. Well, uh, and one last thing, Matt. Uh, appetite for gambling, I think, has changed dramatically. Do you think that the NFL, with people in the stands, that it'll be even bigger? Because I think the, the total addressable market is far larger than what it is right now. Uh, you're absolutely right, Jim. I mean, if you look at Michigan, they legalized uh, sports betting and online gaming just this year. And it's 83% ahead of analyst estimates three years out. And so it's clearly larger. People's uh, attitudes have changed. Look, uh, our slot revenues at Win Las Vegas in April were the biggest we've ever had in our history, now, running at 65% hotel occupancy. And, and, so people, and how about ahead. the convention business? Is it going to come back? You've got a big place. I'm not hearing enough convention talk. Yeah, yeah, conventions are coming back. The back half of the year, our convention room bookings from July to December, we have more rooms on the books than we had in 2019 during that time. More conventioners are coming. I think last time I was on, Jim, I talked about tech companies are now talking about coming back out. People want to get together. That's how you innovate. Wow. Well, this is good. we got a lot of negativity in the stock market. At least there's one place that people are going to be doing very, very well. Matt Maddox, I didn't get to ask about all sorts and, and candy. I mean, you got to say Hannibal and Napoleon here. But uh, Matt Maddox is the Wind Resort CEO and Bill Foley, founder, Austin's Acquisition Corp, along with some other SPACs. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thanks, Jim. Pleasure. We yeah, might be back you. after the break. Coming up. There's always a bull market somewhere, and Kramer just might have found it for you. This stock popped big after earnings, and the CEO joins us next. Heaven knows this is a terrible tape for tech stocks, isn't it? Yet somehow a cybersecurity stock keeps roaring higher. And I'm talking about Norton LifeLock, the consumer cybersecurity play formerly known as Symantec. Now, this is a stock that sold out late last summer as the market began shifting toward the great reopening place. But on Monday night, Norton LifeLock reported a true blowout quarter and gave you excellent guidance. Even better management set out some bold long-term targets over the next three to five years. They aimed to double their customer count, double their earnings per share, while delivering double-digit revenue growth. One analyst called it the triple-double. In response, the stock jumped more than 10% yesterday before tacking on another 7% today on two of the most miserable days of the year, for heaven's sake. Where would this be if it weren't for the sell-off? Could it have more room to run? Let's take check-in with Vincent Pillette. Vincent knows I'm excited about the stock. Get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Pillett, welcome to Mad Money and to being on TV. Hello, Jim. I'm really happy to be here. My first TV appearance. Well, terrific. Vincent, you started your, your uh, tremendous kind of like 24-hour Norton Life Lockathon with the following. You said, in the physical world, 90% of people who have a car have car insurance. 30% of the homeowners have a home alarm system or home insurance. But when you talk about digital life, less than 5% are paying for cyber safety. That's not right, is it? Yeah, absolutely not, Jim. And if you compare to this physical world, 
when you lost your wallet in the past, right? What you what do you do? You quickly go home, you call your bank, you freeze your credit card, you go and freeze your credit report, and you go and tackle that problem. Today, we all have a digital lives, and our information is all over the web and could be compromised any day, yet we don't know it. And what Noro LifeLock does, it's he monitor the dark webs and it's really providing protection for your digital life. All right, so uh, there are a lot of bad guys out there. Uh, and a lot of companies claim that they offer what is to be similar protection, either free or built in. What makes yours different and better? Well, I think a year and a half ago, we embarked on a real transformation. We moved from selling a product that secure your device to really moving to a cyber safety platform. And that's the, we have today the largest cybersecurity platform offering security, identity protection, privacy features. You come on for a membership and we continue to innovate and add new functionalities as cyber criminals uh, develop new methodologies to go and, and do bad things. All right, well, let's think about that. What can bad people do to someone like me, unsuspecting consumer with a lot of high-tech gadgets? What can you do to me? Well, you know, they've developed a lot of new techniques, those bad guys. It's not only going and tackle your old computer with a virus. It's about sending some emails to capture your personal data. It's called phishing. It's about ransomware, capturing some of your data and asking from some ransom to get your data back. There's a lot of things happening these days. They even uh, go all the way to copy your voice, imitate your voice, maybe of someone you may know, to get personal information from you. Do you think it's possible that when you see a big... Uh some big sort of compromise like at that uh, pipeline, they might have compromised individuals who are then told that they have to do what the what uh, they're bidding, do the bad guys bidding. Well, you know, Jim, every time we talk about cyber crimes, more of the time we talk about the state crimes or the enterprise security. We decided to focus on the individuals, the five billion people that are on the Internet and whose data can be compromised. And even for a small ransom, you can be a victim of cyber crimes. There's every three seconds, there's an identity being stolen out there. And cyber criminals have created a real marketplace for them. It's called the dark web, where they can buy viruses and technologies, even as a service, to go and capture and do bad things. And then they resell you data on the dark web. Maybe not the time at the time of a breach, but two years later, your credit card, your driving license, or your passport can show up and can be bought for a fraction of a price. And those are real risks for, for consumers. That's our mission. We're 100% dedicated to the consumer. All right, so let's talk about the growth here. Uh, you did lay out some what I regard as being very aggressive targets. Uh, you got the double-digit growth. How do you sustain it? And what are you doing in Europe that could help you sustain it? Well, first, Jim, I want to say that I, I watched you so you show, as you probably know. And a year ago, I remember one one of your 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 viewers asking, "Hey, what's happening with Northern Lifelock? Why is the stock not going up?" And and you said, "Look, it's about patience. They're on the right path, the right mission. They need to execute." And today, it's coming together. We've hired a new leadership, 100% focused on consumer. We've launched our Northern 360 cyber safety platform. We launched eight new features onto that platform over the last 12 months. And when we look at the opportunity moving forward, we still see a vast majority of the internet users not being protected because they're either not aware or the features have not captured yet the, the full opportunity. I think you'll see us continue to innovate, um, expand internationally, and continue to build what cyber safety means for consumer. Now you have good bloodlines. You work with uh, you worked at Logitech. 
Uh, with yeah. Brack and Darrow, we have a good relationship with you. Uh, Rick Hill, who was uh, no, who was sold his company to Lamb Research, Novellus. What do these people teach you about creating value? Because they are both winners. Well, I, I learned from Bracken all about being focused on the consumer. As you know, Bracken focused on design and what it really means behind that is the consumer experience, the customer experience. And so as we develop cyber safety, it's all about improving the customer experience. One of our big goals is to double our net promoter score, making cyber safety easy to use, easy to understand, giving you a peace of mind. From Rick, you know Rick is all about product innovation and operations. And we spotted early on when I joined with Rick, uh, Symantec, that the consumer business would benefit from being solely dedicated to consumers. And then he gave me basically the reign at the time of separation and, and helped me build up the business. So from both, great, great mentors and still mentors to these well, days. It shows. Fantastic quarter. Great layout. Congratulations. You're really getting it going now. The patience is rewarded. That's Vincent Pillette, CEO of Northern LifeLock. I'm so glad you came on the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. When you see a stock up like this two days in a row in a really bad tape, you have to say to yourself, where would it be if the market had just been neutral, let alone be up? And the answer is much higher. My terrible trust has a big position. Bad money's back in. Right. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! Play a sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski that on the right. Bill in Florida. Bill! Hey, Jim, the financial guru of CNBC. Sure trying. What's going on? Uh, listen, with all the hype and news about cryptocurrency, I'd like you to take an opinion on Silvergate Capital. It's just Small cap holding company. No, I know them. I know them. I know the chairman was spread. Look, let's put it They're very smart guys. Very, very smart guys. I do want to see what Coinbase says tomorrow. They're not exactly relevant, just that it's Coinbase is now the big daddy. But that is a good company. $2 billion company is not bad. Let's go to Beverly in Michigan. Beverly. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. My question today is about Fubo. The stock has been very volatile since the beginning of the year, trading from a January high of $62 a share to a low this yeah. earlier this week of $14 a share. The stock rose yesterday on impressive first quarterly results, but can this positive earning trend continue, and is it a buy, hold, or sell, in your opinion? Uh, this was a very problematic quarter. The stock rallied because the stock had been down so much, not because the quarter was that good. They did have what was an interesting thing. They had a big Packers game on. A lot of people took it to get the Packers and then seemed to have canceled or gone away after. I don't have as much faith in this business as others because I'd rather be in a Roku. I I want big-time growth. That's what I would go into. Uh, Let's go to Dana in Ohio, please. Dana. Hello, Jimmy Chill. How are you? Chill man trying to be chill. was a little unchill early this morning. What's happening? My son watches your show every evening and was thinking of buying, purchasing miniature Berkshire Hathaway. The ticker is B-O-M-N. Yeah, but you see, we don't want to pur- purchase the miniature Berkshire Hathaway. We, we, we want to buy a sliver of a Berkshire Hathaway stock. And that's what he should do. And tell him thank you for watching. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. 
Do we have too many billionaire investors? I'm not trying to channel by Bernie Sanders or Chairman Mao, for that matter. But there was a time when billionaire money managers, they were a big deal. You wanted to hang on their every word because anyone who'd gotten that rich had to know something. These days, though, billionaires are everywhere. We can't even catalog them all. For the most part, they made their billions by being excellent fundraisers or by running private equity firms they didn't even start themselves, or maybe in private hedge funds that made some incredible moves a long, long time ago. In other words, most of them don't have any special insight when it comes to the stock market. They can't say that, but they don't. But a billionaire always gets them like any mic. And there are some issues where they all seem to have the same opinion. If you ask most billionaires, they'll tell you that the government's printing too much money. They know nothing! The Fed's buying too many bonds. They know nothing! And Fed Chief Jay Powell is ignoring inflation. (laughs) Which won't help anyone because the economy's about as good as it gets and commodities are out of control. So why not taper bond purchases and start raising interest rates now? Especially for today's red-hot inflation number. That's a very common position among billionaires. The only one... I follow, who seems to disagree, is Kathy Wood. And basically, uh, technically, I don't even know if she's actually a billionaire yet, even if she should be. Wood's calling for a collapse in commodity prices, which would then quell inflation and give her investing style some oomph. Yeah, bring it right back in favor. Basically, she's talking her book, like everyone else. It's just that her portfolio looks a lot different than what most billionaires own. Wood does have history on her side, and that giant waves of inflation actually tend to subside with tougher Fed action. And if that happens, then, as I said at the top, her favorite richly valued tech stocks will get their groove back. Still, most billionaires want to freak you out about the prospect of Weimar-style hyperinflation, even if they're long wheelbarrows. So how do you weigh their opinions, given that they're just not as important as they used to be, and there's so many of them? I like to look for the billionaires who aren't talking their book, the ones who have the humility to admit when they're wrong. They say it on air. And maybe that's why I pay so much attention to Stanley Druckenmiller and Dave Tepper, two hedge fund managers who really run their family money and run it well. Yesterday, Stan was on uh, Squawk Box. He laid out the billionaire party line, but his reasoning was so sound that it shook my faith in Jay Powell's strategy to keep rates low. Now, don't get me wrong. I still believe Powell. I believe in him because I think people who work for a living could use some wage inflation right now on the side of the workers. Always have been, always will be. However, it was disconcerting to hear Stan remind us that when inflation gets out of control, it hurts the downtrodden more than the rich. Then again, you could say the same thing about deflation. But then Druckenmiller admitted that his book was a long one, that he's basically hedging himself by owning a lot of stock, at least for someone his age, Warren Buffett's 100-year worldview notwithstanding. And he made a lot of money last year, not by being short, right? He's articulating what could, what could happen, sprinkled with how he could be wrong. A billionaire who's humble? Not a lot of those. As for David Tepper, he's taking his cue from John Maynard Keynes, meaning when the facts change, he changes his mind. He tells you what he's doing now, which may or may not be what he's doing in the near future. If you try to piggyback off his public statements, you're doing yourself a disservice because he reserves the right to turn on a dime. Why shouldn't he? It's his money. Tepper tells you what he's doing and how it often contrary to what should be happening. Again, totally enlightening. I love listening to him because he is the rare combination of rigor and common sense. Plus, it's just it's hard not to like the least haughty billionaire of the lot even though he owns the Panthers, a team I don't exactly care for because I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not saying you should take any of their opinions as gospel. 
But when it comes to billionaire money managers who are still relevant to me, well, you should let them challenge your worldview. That's right. Something I'll be talking about in tomorrow's ActionWordsPlus.com conference call. Challenge your worldview. But don't let them shake you out of your own convictions because your view today could be their view tomorrow. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.